Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to the QuickBook Reviews podcast. Brighten your day with a book. Hello, my fellow bookworms. This is Philippa from QuickBook Reviews. How are you all? Are you okay? It's lucky you can't picture me, I have to say. Well, it's lucky you can't see me because I am having to record in my son's room today just for a change because of noises in the house. And it's quite echoey. I don't know how it can be considering the amount of rubbish he has strewn about his room. But anyway, so to stop the noise of echoing, I now have his dressing gown over my head and... uh, Yeah, I don't know what the outcome of this will be. Improved sound, me passing out from uh, heat, uh, exhaustion, or uh, who knows, but we'll go through it. And uh, it turns out that he doesn't appreciate my singing because this morning I needed him to get out of bed. Yes, it was a bit early, but he had to get up. It was important. So I proceeded to greet him with a new morning song. I thought it was quite funny. I had humorous elements in it, inspiring elements. No, no. Uh, Turns out teenage boy does not appreciate his mother singing a good morning sunshine song to him. So there we go. That's something I've learnt today. Honestly, it really is a good thing you can't see me because this looks ridiculous. Uh, Anyway, it's all fine. Keep going, Philippa. Right, books. Oh, my goodness, I've got some great books to talk to you about. Honestly, I'm so excited to tell you about these. So the first book we've got is Breakneck Point by T. Orr Munro. And we're going to be speaking to Tina, the author, shortly because, yeah, there's a lot to tell you about that book. Uh, Then we've got The Black Mountain by Kate Moss. That's part of the Quick Read series. I mentioned last week that I'm going to start featuring those. That's a great read. Then we've got Alexandra Potter's new book called One Good Thing. And Alexandra's coming on to do the five in five feature. So that's exciting. Then we've got New Brighton by Helen Trevorrow. And finally, Please Write Soon by Michael Rosen. All very exciting. So let's get started. Now, this book, Breakneck Point. Okay, let me read the blurb. Can I read the blurb in the dark? That's going to be a slight issue. Um, No, I can see it. We're okay. No, that's not the blurb. That's the start. Here we go. Here we go. 
After exposing corruption in the ranks, crime scene investigator Ali Diamond is kicked off the major investigations team and finds herself stuck working petty crimes on the North Devon coast. But when the body of a young woman is discovered in the seaside town of Bidcombe, Ali will follow the evidence wherever it leads. And the first sentence, or sentences I think we'll do. I know what the perfect murder looks like, and the slaying of Sean Jones isn't it. Far from it. Her killer, a no-mark called Danny Mainwaring, left a trail of clues bright enough to land a 747. I'm putting the book down to tell you about it. This book, I have to admit, I was in a bit of a reading slump. I don't know, I just wasn't quite enjoying reading for a bit. And then I sat down to read this book. I had a good feeling. I thought I would like it. I just thought it's going to be a good crime book. But no, it's this balance between crime and thriller. It's got the fresh writing that you know I drone on about, that I like to see. And it just captivated me. Um, I read it quite quickly. I don't mean that disrespectfully. It was just consuming me. And, and I loved it. And I can't wait to read more. So let's go and talk to the author now. So T. Or Monroe, author of the wonderful Breakneck Point, welcome to the QuickBook Reviews podcast. Thank you very much, Philippa. Very pleased to be here. Well, I have to start off with the basic question. What gave you the idea for this brilliant book? Well, actually, it was somebody that gave me the idea for the book because previously I had been writing YA um, very badly, I would hasten to add, and I wasn't getting anywhere with it, but I kind of thought that was my natural um, genre. And then I was talking to a writer friend of mine and uh, who knew that I had been at CSI or Scenes of Crime Officer a very, very long time ago and that I, I am a police journalist. That, that's, my, that's my day job. And he just literally turned around to me and said, um, why have you never written a crime novel? And I just thought, yeah, <laughs> why have I never written a crime novel? And I thought, that's what I'm going to go and do. And so I did. And that's really where it all comes from. So I, I owe him. I owe him a great, great deal. Yeah, I suppose in some ways it seems so obvious. And yet mm. when you're just carrying on doing what you're doing, it takes someone else to, yeah. to see that. Was the story always clear to you how it would all work? Uh, no, it wasn't. What was clear to me was the character of Ali Diamond and a CSI. I knew from the word go that that's the kind of police novel, police procedural thriller that I wanted to write. I wanted to do it from her perspective. And I also knew that I wanted to place it in North Devon because at that time, I'm going about, about five, six years ago now, um, Ankles hadn't published the Matthew Venn novels which are also based in North Devon and I thought you know it's time to shine a light on on uh, policing a rural area as opposed to policing an urban area and and they're quite different they have quite different challenges and both great and I just thought yeah I'd like to write a novel based in in the rural area of North Devon and I'd like it to be about a CSI so I always knew those things and in terms of the plot um, no, that kind of came quite late on because um, there was another incarnation of Breakneck Point several years ago which has a completely different plot and I took that into a writing course, an online writing course of six months and jettisoned that entire plot and then wrote this one. So um, it's had kind of a, a very kind of windy road to publication I would say. Mm. Oh, how interesting. Um, and I love the approach of combining, for me, it was a combination of crime and thriller. Yes, you know 
you know who, but it's why, and are they going to get away with it, and mm. all those twists. It's um, quite a different sort of fresh read. Did it feel like that when you were eventually writing the final <laughs> story? <laughs> it did, and I, I'm a little bit nervous about that. I'm not going to lie to you, because it is a little bit different. It is a dual narrative. It isn't a who done it. It's it's a how and why done it, really. But from my perspective, really the second narrative came about because um, I just enjoyed writing it, and I, just, and I needed to get into the head of, of my antagonists. And then I just thought, well, it, it kind of just seemed to work as a cat and mouse. And that, that's really where it came from. And, I, and again, that was kind of was a little bit of workshopping in a, um, in a writing forum. And a couple of people could sort of bounce the idea around. And I thought, well, do you know, I just like a lot of writing. I'll just give it a go. And then I'll know once I've written, let's say, 10,000 words, I will know if it's working or I'll know if it's not working. And I started to write it. And, um, you know, it's a bit like actors saying they love to play a villain. I think writers probably love to write a villain. And he was um, a joy to write, if that's the right word. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't base that on anyone you, oh, you know. Abs- absolutely not. <laughs> and if I did, I think I'd be putting a kind of an anonymous phone call into the local police station. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yes, yes, in to- yes, that's very true. <laughs> I was interested in this point about how uh, most of us think a CSI is a very glamorous role, mm. um, and yet the reality is is different. Was, mm. the, was that something you wanted to get across in the book? Very, very much so. So when we see um, news items on the news, you know, you see these men and women in in the full white forensic suits and, and the hats and the, and the gloves and all all the paraphernalia, and they disappear into a, a house and then they come back out again, and we don't know anything about them. And I just kind of wanted to look a little bit closer at the work they did because you know I I, I did the job of really long time ago and and that's kind of almost a different part of my life but I know how hard it is and I know what they witness and I know they're often key to cracking a case and it is a teamwork it's very collaborative um, crime investigation but but they're the ones examining the minutiae of a scene and it is that minutiae that can often um, lead to the the perpetrator so yes that that was really at the forefront of my mind that I kind of again wanted to shine a little bit of a light on their role and forensics does have a little bit of a glamour we see these lovely pristine labs where all this important um, examination is taking place but actually crime scenes are dirty difficult emotionally hard places to be in and um, scenes crime officers CSI you know spend their lifetime in them that just adds to the the flavour that I got from the book and as you say that you were doing that role some time ago and now more recently a police journalist did did that impact the book as well was that another set of information you could bring to the story yeah it definitely was actually Philippa because as a police journalist I've written an awful lot about vulnerability of victims and I also wanted to do a book where you saw a little bit more of the victims and you saw a little bit more about how criminals prey on the vulnerable we have this kind of impression that criminals sort of you know they they target the mansion on the hill and they they go for the big targets if you like actually in my experience they don't they 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 have this incredible ability to root out the vulnerable and vulnerability can come in any shape or form and i think really the vast majority of people in breaknet point are, are vulnerable and i kind of wanted to um really bring that to the fore that first of all that 
that people are targeted because they're seen as vulnerable and, and, and easy to manipulate. And secondly, um, you know, it's, it's about showing it the victims and the impact that crime has on victims. And, and that crime can be very small or it can be very large, but actually the impact can often be the same. That it, it is just devastating. And that is, and it, I'm writing this book too at the moment, and, and that theme is carrying through that, you know, we don't emerge from crime um, unscathed. It has lifelong effects on individuals. Does that help you get ideas for future books then with the work that you do? Yes, it does. It does. There's, there's nothing, there's no scene in Breakneck Point that is an identical scene to anything that I attended myself. But the the impressions that I gained, the people I was with, the, the victims I spent time with, certainly that has informed quite a number of the scenes in Breakneck Point, definitely. So when you're working and you put down your normal notepad and get out your red... Uh, writer's one does everyone think oh no <laughs> this is going to show up in the story somewhere. That, that's a little bit of a worry isn't it I have had people ask me um, but I can kind of reassure them that no it, it, you know all writers are magpies, aren't they? And we, we take we take little pieces of our lives and little pieces of other lives and we change them and, and we mould them to fit our story. So there is there is nothing, there is no individual and there's no scene in that book where I can say, yeah, that directly relates to that occasion or that person. I can put that one to rest. <laughs> I suppose it's like ingredients, you know, you take a little bit from here, a little bit from there and create your own recipe from that Absolutely. did you always know how um how the story would end uh i did i have to be really careful here because uh yes don't yeah the uh, the yes i did but i can tell you um that that changed that changed Oh, yes, it did. Absolutely right decision. It was, you know, it was kind of a conversation with my agent and um, absolutely the right thing to do. There were two major changes in the book when it got signed and both of them absolutely the right thing to do. And it was just you know, really good advice from someone in the book publishing world. So, yes, I did know how I wanted to end. And then when I changed it, I was much, much happy. It's a much better ending of her story. That's very cryptic, uh, isn't it? Sorry. Yes. No, that's that's what we don't want to spoil anyone's e enjoyment and experience reading the book. Ali, for me, was such a strong, honest person. Is there much of you in her? Um, I think what I share with her, there isn't a huge amount of it, if I'm honest with you. I don't think I have her courage. And I, don't, and I think I'm probably more of a people pleaser than Ali Diamond is. But I think what I did share with her is, is the anger that she feels, some of the things that she deals with. And I can remember when I was kind of, you know, digging back into my past and kind of thinking how I was at various different um, scenes. Um, some of those feelings that came back to me, I kind of expected. But one of the, another feeling that I kind of had forgotten about is, is quite often the anger I felt that you go into a situation, uh, the worst has already happened. Um, you, you can't reverse it, you, you can't really fix it, and justice does have to be served, but people's view of justice is very different, understandably so, and I think she has an anger, Ali Diamond, and I think I shared that anger, definitely. Well, this book certainly broke my reading slump, it was amazing, it was one of those <laughs> books where I'm sitting reading it in the bath and realise that the water's stone cold and I hadn't even <laughs> noticed. So, so thanks I'm going to say that. brilliant. Are you getting... <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> Are you getting lots of positive feedback about it? Yeah, yes. From what I can tell, um, yeah, people seem to have embraced her. And again, you don't know how people are going to take to your character. She is a flawed character. You know, I didn't want to paint this kind of superstar CSI. I wanted to try and um, portray somebody who was real, with real challenges. She's trying to juggle lone parenting with a really demanding job. And she appears to be, you know, occasionally failing at, at doing either of those jobs particularly well and I wanted to show her as a flawed character and that can go either way some people can embrace that as being kind of real and relatable and others can say mm, no you know um, I, I simply don't like her and so that was kind of a little bit of a risk in the book but 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 I kind of thought no I'm, I'm going to go with this you know she, she has to be real to me and that's really what I tried to uh, create well and you didn't just try you you did how long have you been writing when did you first start as um, I, I'm one of these people who's been writing forever, but very, very badly and very intermittently. So I was a little girl who always wanted to be a writer, and I wrote a book when I was 14, but it was a direct rip-off of a book I had literally just read. So had it gone anywhere near a publisher, I would have been royally sued, and rightly so. Uh, and then I've kind of dipped in and out. All my, I've, I mean, I became a journalist quite late in life. I was in my 30s, and that really was because it enabled me to make a living just writing just writing words which is kind of my passion and I think and I've loved it and I still love it but I think ultimately I wanted to write creatively and there are issues there because when you write as a journalist it's very different writing to writing creatively and one they're not necessarily mutually beneficial to each other either either so that that was a challenge for me but I think ultimately I always knew even when I took years off writing that I hoped I would one day go back to it and, and write a book that could be published and so how did you get your agent and the publishing deal? When did that all click? Well, I um, I went into a um, an online novel writing course of six months. It took me two years to pluck up the courage to do it. I, you know, I had that terrible imposter oh. syndrome that all writers have and that terrible self-doubt and that I'm not good enough. And then after two years, I think my husband said, look, you know, I'm in my 50s you're either going to have a go again you know or you're not and it kind of felt like a last chance saloon in actual fact it was quite a kind of defining moment in my writing the idea of having others read your writing which I'd never allowed before and that critiquing I found incredibly valuable at the end of that course I had the opportunity to show 10,000 words to an agent who was attached to the, the running of the course, and a series of agents, actually. And one of the agents came back to me and said, um, when you've written the whole thing, come back to me again. So that process took a year, I know. <laughs> and then she, she then remembered, read it, and said, yep, I'll take you on, Tina. Wow. That must have been an incredible moment. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, it's been lots of incredible moments, yeah. Philippa, starting with that one, actually. And, and each one is... It's just mind-blowing and exciting and, you know, the gratitude I just feel for being on this journey is under it's unending. It really is. I'm, I'm extremely lucky and I, I do understand that. I was going to ask the question, well, I'll still ask it, although I think I know what the answer is. The question is, what does writing mean to you? I think... I think it comes from wanting to share stories. So I grew up in a family. I grew up in the middle of nowhere. In fact, I grew up here in Devon, actually. In the middle of nowhere, pre-really sort of big-time TV years. And 
I read an enormous amount. Both my parents were huge readers and I read a lot. I'd wait for the mobile library to come around every week. It was the most exciting thing in my whole week. And I think, and my dad was a big storyteller as well. And I think it's a love of stories, a love of listening to stories and then a love of wanting to write and share my own stories. And I think that's where the writing comes from alongside a passion for, for language, whether that's English or it's another language. I have, I have just an innate curiosity about language and how we use language to communicate and, and, and what that means. And, and that really is the same in journalism as it is in creative writing, is that form of communication. So I think it's kind of a dual thing of a love of stories and an absolute fascination with, with, with language and, and how we form language and use it to communicate with each other. So how do you then cope if you're having a day when the words don't come? Um, it's really frustrating. It does happen. Um, I think um, somebody gave me some great advice a year or two ago and talked to me about free writing, that when it's not coming, that you just get a good old-fashioned pen and a piece of paper and you just write and write and write. And, and it, you write knowing 90% of what you're writing is going to be thrown away and that you hope that in the months that 100% there's like a kernel of something that you think yes that that's the thing that the thing that was squirreled in the back of my mind that I've been chasing and it's finally come to the front of my mind and that's that's the process and it is it's painstaking but it does work for me so is it about a year that you mentioned it took a year to get the book from 10,000 words to complete the first mm. draft is that how long it tends to take to um I say that's a minimum so the book two I'm writing has taken me 18 months to get to this point, really. So yes, a year to 18 months, I think it does take a long time. Plotting seems to take me a very long time. And then, obviously, and then I start writing it and realise my plot doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> so that's another hurdle I have to that's jump fun. over. Yeah, that's, that's fun. <laughs> so yes, it is... It, <laughs> I don't know why we do it to ourselves, I really don't, but there you go. <laughs> but you're a plotter then, you like to, to get I do, that I do. quite ex done Yeah, I do, I fancy myself as a plotter, yes, I do. I, I, I like to know where it's going. I think it heads off things for me, like a potential writer's block. Um, but I do also find that once I've started... You know, I still need that flexibility to go, oh, actually, you know, on paper, you know, the character's not working. So I'm going to take this one out. I'm going to put another one in. I'm going to merge this. And I, and I do kind of go into it thinking, OK, I've plotted a book, but it's probably not going to look that much like the plot of the book, if that makes sense. And my last question, you've mentioned this next book. Um, we don't want to say, we want to give the game away, but I, I have to ask, might any of the characters from Breakneck Ooh. Point return in the next yes. book don't let don't name no them, but no we yeah. have um we have the ensemble cast in a way and yes many of them return in book two well i cannot wait to read that so t or munro author of breakneck point thank you so much for joining me thank today. you very much for having me it's been brilliant thank you philippa Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" 
So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The next book I want to talk to you about is The Black Mountain by Kate Moss. As I say, this is part of the Quick Read series, which are ideal if you want to try some different authors. You're an existing reader and you just feel like trying some authors that you haven't read their books before. Or maybe you're a hesitant reader, someone who hasn't picked up a book in ages and doesn't know where to start. These are great. This one was 120, 130 pages long. These books are a pound, printed books, a pound. I just don't know how that's even possible at the moment with how much paper costs, but uh, it's phenomenal. Let me read you the blurb of this. It is May 1706. Anna, a young Spanish woman, lives in a small town on the northwest coast of Tenerife with her mother and twin younger brothers. The town is in the shadow of a mighty volcano, which legend says has the devil living inside it. However, there have been no eruptions for thousands of years and no one believes it is a threat. One day, Anna notices that the air feels strange and heavy, that the birds have stopped singing. While tending the family vineyard, a sudden strange tremor in the earth frightens her. Very soon, it will be a race against time for Anna to help persuade the town that they are in danger and should flee before the volcano erupts and destroys their world. Will they listen? And Anna herself faces another danger. Let's do first sentence of this one. Chapter one. Anna looked down into the open grave. She felt anger burning in her chest, as red and hot as fire, but she would not cry. I've got to tell you, I loved this book. I read it on a dog walk. So I was walking the dog, thought, oh, this is a small light book. Let's see if I can get my dog walking and reading mojo back. And I did. Two mile dog walk, book done, book read. 
I have to say, I thought Kate Moss was above my pay grade. I, I thought she was an author that I would struggle to read and enjoy. I don't know. I just thought, I, I just didn't think she'd be for me. Having read this, let me tell you, she is. I want all her books. I want to read them now. It transported me and just, oh, I just loved it. Really, really good. I appreciate the writing is probably diluted. Um, uh, simplified, maybe I don't, I don't know, but it was a great read. Lots of strands. Thoroughly, thoroughly recommend. If if I was giving this book a mark out of ten, it would be a ten out of ten easily. Um, I just thought it was great. I'm so pleased I'm doing this quick read series and can't wait to read one for next week as well. Who knows? Who knows which author it'll be and and what it will be about? But Kate Moss, The Black Mountain, bravo. Um, so the next book is One Good Thing by Alexandra Potter and let me read you the blurb on this one. Liv Brooks is still in shock. She didn't expect to get divorced. She didn't expect to swap her busy life in London for a crumbling cottage in the Yorkshire Dales and she certainly didn't expect to adopt a scruffy old dog called Harry. But life rarely goes according to plan. Then Liv and Harry start to meet the people around them. The old man who sits alone by the window a boy afraid to go beyond his garden gate and a teenager feeling angry with the world around her. Liv realises that perhaps she's not the only one feeling a bit lost and as their lives begin to intertwine, they'll discover it's true that life doesn't usually work out like you think it will. Sometimes it's even better. <laughs> Let's do first sentence now. So what do you think? Having finished looking around downstairs, the estate agent pushes open a stripped pine door and shows me into the master bedroom. Wow. Well, let me, uh, yeah, with that, I don't even need to say anything. Let's just go and speak to Alexandra uh, because fortunately she's agreed to do the five questions in five minutes. So Alexandra Potter, whose latest glorious book is called One Good Thing. Welcome to the Quick Book Reviews podcast. Hello. <laughs> well, this is five in five. So your first question, can you summarise your book in 30 seconds? OK, um, starting now, this <laughs> book is called One Good Thing and it's about how all you need is one good thing to make life worth living again when everything falls apart. And it's about uh, five characters and they're all dealing with lots of things in their lives and they all come together in a village in the Yorkshire Dales. And by connecting with each other, um, they make life worth living again. What a great summary. Who is your favourite character in the book and why? Without giving any plot reveals. My favourite character in the book is an old man called Valentine who um, is just a wonderful character. He, he's a really great character to write and um, I just loved writing his scenes. Uh, he, he, he was really, I really felt sad to leave him behind when I'd finished the book. That's wonderful. Do characters stay with you when you... Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. They become like real people and you, you have conversations with them walking around the house like a... Like a loony. <laughs> oh, that seems perfectly reasonable to me. Can you describe your book in three words? One good thing. 
That's a bit of a cheat, isn't it? <laughs> Apart from the title, could you describe your book? I would say heartwarming, uplifting, heartbreaking. Three H's. <laughs> the fourth question, what was your favourite food and drink while you were writing this book? Gin and tonic <laughs> and crisps. <laughs> what flavour, Chris? Let's get specific. Uh, cheese and onion. <laughs> So practically any flavour will do. Uh, yes, fantastic. And the final question, what's been your best moment so far in your writing career? Best moment in my writing career actually would be just recently when I found out that my last novel uh, was being made into a TV series. Wow, yes. When's that going to come out? Are there any um, I don't know when that's going to air. They're just filming it now. So I think that's been the most exciting for me so far. Yes. I mean, my <laughs> goodness, that's that's fantastic. Well, uh, yes, can't wait to watch that. Can't wait to hear that people reading your book. Alexandra Potter, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much. Thank you. And the next book is New Brighton by Helen Trevorrow. Now, I was just looking on social media, as you do. I think it was Twitter. And Craig, Craig, you know who you are, was reading this book. And I was like, oh, well, I haven't heard of this book before. Um, and uh, yeah, listen to the blurb on this one. During a vicious storm, a battered ship runs aground on Brighton Beach. While the city on the sea comes to a ghostly standstill, the unusual event triggers an epic journey for young waitress Robin Lockhart. First, Robin needs to find the ship's mysterious cargo, but in doing so, she discovers the truth about herself, her family and the place she's always called home. Nothing is as it seems. Robin begins to question not only who she is, but what she is truly capable of. Will the uncomfortable answers bring her closer to seeing the truth? As she starts to understand her true purpose, her power increases. But where will it take her? The truth lies within her. She has to learn to trust it, to save herself and those she loves. Um, and listen to this. This was the, the bit of the sort of the blurb, a quote from somebody that really got me. They say this about the book. The Handmaid's Tale meets Blade Runner, a powerful tale of control, love and family in a brave new world where nothing is as it seems. Hmm. And let me read the first sentence to you. Here we go. The weather is a sharp slap of wet and cold. I'm an hour late already and even from this distance I can sense that Vincent is furious. I really enjoyed this book. It's a great dystopian. Uh, it's a great dystopian piece of writing, but it's much more than some of the dystopian books that I've read that are just a slight tilt away from where we are. I'd say this is more of a tilt, but still um, so interesting in the approach that the author has taken and the writing. Yes, Helen, bravo. Very good. So that was New Brighton. And then the final book is Please Write Soon by Michael Rosen. Now, this this is a book for younger readers. Um, it's got beautiful pictures. It's illustrated by, sorry, I've just banged it there, by Michael Foreman. Um, and it's an unforgettable story of two cousins in World War One. So here you go. Beginning in 1939, a young boy in London named Solly exchanges letters with his teenage cousin Bernie in Poland. While Solly is evacuated and tries his best to adjust to life in the English countryside, Bernie 
goes on a journey of his own. As the cousins exchange letters, they try to keep their spirits up, trading jokes and observations about the world transforming all around them. And as the letters grow more and more tense, the question remains, will they both survive the war and find a safe place to call home? It's a very moving book. Can I, let's see about the first sentence. September the 7th, 1946. I hope I will not have to remind you all, Miss Drury said in her precise clipped way, that you will listen carefully to each other this morning. Um, I, to say I enjoyed the book, it, you know, it's very moving. It's very significant. I think there are some children that will learn a lot from it. There might be others that find it um, upsetting, maybe. I just think you have to gauge it. It's a brilliant book, obviously. Um, the pictures are beautiful. The writing is very, very moving. Um, and I, yeah, I, I thought it's just a book that sort of stays with you and that sort of niggles at you as to these characters. And by doing the writing and these illustrations, it's just another way of getting the message across. So, yeah, I thought it was um, a, a wonderfully moving book. So that's the lot. Let's have a quick recap over which books I have covered today. Bit hard to see still as I'm still under the dressing gown, but hopefully I, yeah, I can make it out. We're fine. We're fine. Come on, Philippa, keep going. So we uh, talked to T. Orr Munro, author of Breakneck Point. Um, I reviewed The Black Mountain by Kate Moss, part of the Quick Read series. Um, we also talked to Alexandra Potter, author of One Good Thing. Um, I also reviewed New Brighton by Helen Trevorrow and Please Write Soon by Michael Rosen. That is your lot. I need to go and cool down away from this hot environment. Um, I hope you're doing OK and I can't wait to talk to you next week. So I've got great author to, to interview, some great books to review, just lots of great stuff. So uh, look after yourselves. <laughs> And I'll speak to you very soon. Take care now. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Quick Book Reviews podcast. That's enough books, said no one, ever. See you again soon. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.